It is quite fascinating to look at uh, historical paintings of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And it always looks so perfect and so clean and uh, so unreal when you compare it to the historical reality. So the historical reality we get from different scholars coming up with a historical approximation of what it was like for Jesus when he was growing up. So first of all, the, he would have been part of a community of subsistence farmers, people that barely got by from one harvest to the next, just getting enough to feed their families. He would have lived in a small roomed house a small roomed house that was attached to several other little small houses that uh, were part of the extended family. Animals would have been kept indoors in the room with them at night time because their life depended on keeping the animals alive and that they wouldn't be stolen. And that was one, one of the great fears as well. There are many other things. There would have been a veranda that was a communal place where there would have been a grinding stone where women had taken turns grinding corn, making bread in the morning. And that's where life happened out there. They would have walked from place to place to vineyards, to grain fields. So that's why when we look at scripture, there are so many examples that Jesus gives from his life about planting, and the seeds growing, and weeds among the wheat, and um, the birds of the air, and the vineyards, and how to make sure that you get good wine out of the vineyard. So many examples like that. So we're not talking about, in the life of Jesus, when we talk about a holy family, we're not talking about a family that was just perfect in every way. But what we are talking about is a wholesome family, one that, is, uh, that can give us, and Jesus can give us, something that can apply to the lives of all of our families. So holiness can easily be equated with wholesomeness. That means of being fully alive, fully aware of God's presence and God's love and God's forgiveness in our lives. The gospel of today is, is really a remarkable gospel when you reflect on it. And it does, in many ways, give us an inkling of what is going to happen someday in the life of Jesus himself. So it's kind of a foretaste of what is coming. So if you look at Jesus going up to Jerusalem at the end of the life, and compare it to Jesus going up to Jerusalem at the beginning of his life, they are, there are a lot that we can learn from it. Both of these ep episodes, as I said, begin with Jesus going up to Jerusalem. And it stresses the anxiety and consternation of his parents and his disciples. The going up to Jerusalem brought anxiety into his parents' life when he got lost. When Jesus is going up to Jerusalem, when he turned his face to Jerusalem at the end of his life, his disciples 
and all the people that were following, the majority of the people abandoned ship, walked away. They said once he turned his face toward Jerusalem, they walked away. And even their disciples and those who were closest to him tried to dissuade him from going up to Jerusalem. It shows eventually that his parents and disciples, when they lose him, they are in sorrow. They have great sorrow. They are seeking the one who is lost. Mary Magdalene, tell me where you have put him so that I can be with him. She, she has lost Jesus after his crucifixion. And we know in today's story that his parents lost Jesus as well. It is interesting that there is a, a three-day time frame with each of them. After three days, he rose from the dead. In some of the passages of this story today, they found him after three days. So then eventually, both were challenged in their understanding of God, that this could be, this could be part of God's plan. This is, this is a very huge crisis for the early church because for a very long time, there is absolutely no way they would have had a crucified Lord in their place of worship. So scandalous was it. So it took them a long time to see how the Messiah could be one that was crucified. And it was very difficult for them to accept this or to accept that this is God's plan for them as well. And his parents found that difficult also about how Jesus was in the temple and they couldn't understand where his wisdom was coming from. So there's a, there are a lot of similarities between the beginning of Jesus' life, um, and you could say a public life, and then the end of it as well. How there was confusion, how there was doubt, how there was difficulty in trying to hold on to the truth of who he was, of God's beloved child and as the Messiah as well. And I think that, that is something to get speak to all families. Um, no family is perfect. We all know that. And we're not, we're not so much called to perfection. We're called to wholeness. And where, where we journey, as we journey through life as part of our family, there are certain things that we have to uh, remain founded in. And that is, um, this is what, what Jesus... Jesus has an intimate knowledge of God. More than anyone else, he is God, but he has an intimate knowledge of God, his Father. And the three things that he emphasized greatly, first of all, was God's overflowing and constant love for us. The presence of God is, you know, God loves us unconditionally. Now, there can be times when living in a family when that can be clouded over, when we don't feel or experience unconditional love in our lives, especially from the members of our families, relatives, friends. So as we journey through life, that is something that we have to keep close attention to, God's unconditional love for us. And irrespective of the opinions, or the thoughts or feelings of our family members, 
we are still God, we are still loved by God. So that is a foundational message that Jesus is inviting us to hold on to. Another one is, is that of forgiveness, that God constantly offers forgiveness in our lives. I'm sometimes alarmed and shocked when, that's why I always, I'm very nervous when people get up to give eulogies, and especially when they say, I haven't really prepared this, ah. <laughs> it can go anywhere. And unfortunately, some people take it as an opportunity to settle the scores. And how many children hold their parents in unforgiveness? And that is scandalous. And it is scandalous because it contradicts the whole truth of who God is, a God who forgives. So that is why everybody has to stay in touch with, with the Christ on the cross who is offering us constant forgiveness. And even if that forgiveness is not coming from our families, then their opinion is irrelevant. God's is the central opinion that you are forgiven that everybody is forgiven. So that's why it is so important we stay in touch with God's unconditional love, with God's constant forgiveness in our lives. And then the, the last one is that God is present. And I think that's the beauty about the life, early life of Jesus. He wasn't like brought up in a palace with servants where everything was spotless and they fed him and did everything for him and all of that, no. He was rooted in life, a life probably much worse than any of you will ever have to live. There's probably times when he went to bed hungry at nighttime. There was people who died around him. The age limit, the average age of life was around 30 to 40 years of age. He would have seen people at that age dying. He would have seen young girls, maybe his relations, that could be sold off into slavery to pay off a debt. The boys were never sold. They needed him to continue the family line. But young girls, his friends, might have been sold into slavery. So he was very aware of life and very immersed in it. But what he constantly wanted to communicate to people, that God is always present in every situation in every person and everything that we experience in our lives. God is always present. And the beauty of that presence is that sometimes, not so often I would say, nearly always, God invites those who are his disciples to be that presence in the midst of a family. So we're called to be. God reveals himself in us and through us in every family, for those who are faithful disciples of God. We are called to be that presence in the families in which we live in. So it's not enough to say, oh, I have a ridiculous family, I'm getting out of here, I want nothing to do with them. No, we're called to be present in families and to be a presence of peace in the midst of fear, to be a presence of healing in the midst of unforgiveness, and hostility and resentment. So we are called to be all the things that holiness represents 
in the families in which we live in. We should never close the door on anyone. We should never be determined by other people's hostility, anger, brokenness, resentment. But we must remain wholesome in God's love, wholesome in God's forgiveness, and wholesome in answering his call to be his presence among all the people where you are living your life each day.